Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Like Sting, I'm tantric. Oh, I get it because of the movie Frantic. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, it's guaranteed to satisfy. Dude, that took me a really long time. Like Kurosawa, I don't make films. Did he not make films? Yeah, no, that's not the lyric. <laughs> like, uh, like Kurosawa, I make mad films. Okay, I don't make films, but if they did, they'd have a samurai. That just that just feels problematic. Dude, that song rules. Yeah, that, that that's a good song. I used to have friends who, um, one of the guys, the guy who actually got me into the band, Solaris, when he used to visit Ithaca from Binghamton, he didn't really know who I was, so he just thought I was... He didn't... He never saw Whams, dude. So he just thought I was the singer from Bare Naked Ladies. So like, the, uh, when Jared and Vinny would be like, dude, we're going up to Ithaca, and you'd be like... And he would start singing that song. <laughs> he'd be like, chicken in China. And then he'd come, apparently he'd come up and just struggle to not sing that song in my presence for like the whole time that they hung out. It's um, been one of the many celebrities I've been physically uh, compared to. Let me get my list out real quick. Seth Rogen, number one, clearly. Yeah. But close behind that. Jonah some, Hill. <laughs> some weird other ones. Yeah, Dan is Jonah Hill. If you were to cast us in a movie, unquestionably, it would be. Uh, thinner Jonah Hill. I'm not going to say that you look like, you don't look like grandma's boy Jonah Hill. You look like um, server manipulator Hill. I like like 2023 Hill. The best You're bleach blonde manipulator (laughs) Hill, Barbie. Yeah. Um, My therapist doesn't know that I've actually been recording him the whole time to (laughs) make into a small documentary. (laughs) Um, Did you watch that shit yet? I did not, no. I'm no interest in it now, especially. That's for sure. It's probably better now. It's probably more awkward now. I mean, it was pretty awkward to begin with. Um, It's kind of like when I saw the Flash movie. Like, If Ezra Miller wouldn't have gone around and did so many crimes to people, it wouldn't have been as good. But since he did, it was hilarious. It was a really good comedy. So, Yeah, and now uh, that's how I'm going to feel about Gary Oldman next time I see him in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Talk about making a big mistake. Gary Oldman as a little person. Is that the movie we're talking about right now? Yeah, okay. that, that is going to be the movie. <laughs> I probably should check that. Congrats and welcome. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Surprise, motherfucker. Hold on to your butt. Just like a fine wine. Um, <laughs> uh, welcome to season seven, episode one. I just wanted to see the look in Dan's face when I said seven. It was like when Ben Affleck looks off into the distance and thinks about how horrible his life is during press junkets. We probably should have started with the movie seven. Um, <clears throat> welcome back to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. Dan Enden. And um, this season, we're going to bring you more of that uh, delicious goodness that you require. Uh, this is a movie podcast for anyone who's checking in the first time this is not a self-help podcast if anything we are desperately in need of help ourselves do not come here for those kinds of recommendations this is an external help podcast only (laughs) it's like if you're going to email us please email us at movieblues at gmail.com but just offer us uh suggestions for therapists yeah that's we don't want any uh critiques and we especially don't want any praise dan and allergic to praise yeah leave in the comments uh like how 
in stock of medication your local pharmacies are. <laughs> we want to know when the purge breaks out where best to locate yeah. ourselves uh, drug-wise. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dan Enden, are you ready for another wacky uh, season of podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> I'm super <sighs> pumped. Okay, good. So for those reasons, um, please um, approach my side of the room where uh, we have a special, as per usual, season's greeting message uh, from a guest. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just bring your headphones over so you can, you know, you can hear what's going on. Um, So uh, I have not watched. I'm trying to not watch it when I do these, but um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, podcaster extraordinaire um, friend of the podcast, even though... uh, (laughs) We're not allowed to say what our podcast is when we send these messages in because that is technically promotion. Anyway, here is um, Mark Bernardin. Hey, boys and girls. Uh, congrats on launching the seventh season of your podcast, whatever the name of that podcast is. Um, I'm supposed to roast Dan for loving the View universe but hating comic book movies. Um, listen, man, you can't hit all of a thing. It's impossible to hit all of a thing. There's always going to be a couple of outliers. Not true. Even if you don't like superheroes, there are still great superhero movies. So get on board. This is what we do. I don't know what you guys are about. I don't know what you're about, Dan. Come on, man. Um, but also, I will not roast a person for loving Speed Racer. Damn it. Speed Racer has much more good in it than bad. Um, yes, there's a monkey. And yes, there's a kid. But if you just kind of like squint your eyes and try to avoid the kid and the monkey... Um, sorry, chimpanzee. I don't want to, you know, get canceled for monkey dis wow. miss speciesing. Um, <laughs> Speed Race is a pretty great movie. Um, All right, dude. It took me a little while to get there, but I got there, and I I will ride for Speed Racer. Yeah. What are my least favorite movie sequels? Um, that's a fine question. I don't think I was that fond of Lethal Weapon Four. Um, the one with Chris Rock. There's at least two Superman movies that don't need to exist, maybe even three. Four. Um, most of the X-Men movies don't need to exist. I think, Mar. you know, X-Men 1, Thank X-Men uh, X2, X-Men United, and First Class, maybe Days of Future Past, and then everything else can kind of be wiped off the I face mean, of the planet. That was a lot of them. Um, <laughs> and I won't even get into uh, anything that DC's ever done, Ooh. because life is too short. Um... <laughs> But anyway, uh, guys, congrats. Enjoy. Thanks, uh, Seven years of podcasting is no mean feat, and you're still alive. You're still up and running. So power to you. Um, be good. Keep calm. Carry on. Thank you, Mark Bernardin, uh, for your special sweet words. Uh, not stimulated by our money whatsoever from the podcast fund. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for subscribing <laughs> on premium. That's... That's what you get. Well, uh, we are up front here. Um, just in terms of uh, plugs, I will say that um, check out um, our YouTube channel where I've been running um, a new show called The Movie Blue Show. Um, and that is more of a long form uh, podcast topic in visual form type thing. And pretty soon uh, we are going to be putting episodes of the show that you're currently listening to uh, with some more relaxed visuals. I'm not going to put it in the editing bay for 350 hours. But... I have no idea who that was, by the way. Who Mark Bernardin is? Yeah, I don't know. Are you kidding? No. Who is that? He does a podcast every week for the past 10 years with Kevin Smith. What? The, they the, are the Fat ba- Man the, the on ba- Batman. The Batman podcast? That's the other Fat Man on Batman I've guy. never listened to that. He was in Clerks 3. 
Okay. Oh, we're deleting all of this. Dude. Mark Bernardin. You think I'm... <laughs> He's a huge writer. He's like, okay, all right. Moving on. I, delete, I'm sorry. Delete button. There's no, Hardest delete button. I've never button. once given you evidence that I read Batman comics besides fucking the killing. Fat Man on Batman is not about Batman. There's no episode about Batman. I've never seen an episode about Batman. It's, okay. a, it's about life. Well, it's, I listened to the first episode when it came out, and it was exclusively about Batman. Well, you are exclusively a Kevin Smith and, noob. And I haven't listened to a Kevin Smith podcast in seven years. I mean, this is... What do you want me to say, man? I don't know. I'm sorry. He does all sorts of events with Kevin Smith. He's always with him. It's okay. bizarre. Do you think I'm like currently following Kevin Smith? If I know it and you don't, it's not current. I mean, you watch the podcast. This is this know. is all going to be deleted, so we'll just move on. But no, that was money well spent. But he sims for he fucking sims for Speed Racer. Let's go, Mark no, Bernardin. I'll delete the whole thing. <laughs> Mark um, Bernardin is my fucking guy. Okay, so now that we've done anyway. that opening segment that Dan loved and recognized, he yeah. totally knows who Mark Bernardin is. I mean, now I do. Fucking dude, Speed Racers getting a renaissance. Let's go, baby. Give me that shit. Dude, if they put that out on 4K disc, your eyes would fucking melt out of your head watching that movie. <laughs> I'm going to buy that movie on 4K and throw it straight in the trash. <laughs> I'm gonna, you're going to find me digging through your trash. Fucking do it I'm going to be like doing like a reverse Dylan Mulvaney Kid Rock situation, but with Speed Racer discs and not guns because I'm scared. It's really topical. Um. Oh, wait. No, on that note. Yeah. So I was in uh, I was in California mm-hmm. um, at a picnic in which there was so much Bud Light, like in in like protest of the protest. In protest of the protest. Yeah. <sighs> See, I want to ride on that, but Bud Light is disgusting. Yeah, so the worst. Not sure what point is being made by either side at this yeah. point. Yeah. So uh, today, uh, I thought we would really ease into the season with... Um... Ease into the season, baby. Season seven, easing in. Maybe the most requested historically movie for us to do on this podcast tiptoes uh, yeah is... most requested for the last two weeks no but then somebody dug up an old post like one of those posts uh in, from the rental zone um which is our fan group you should join on facebook just type into your browser movie blues rental zone and then take your whole computer and throw it out the window <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, I people, uh, I think it was Gabriel Weiss had posted like two years ago. You guys should do this. Then someone, um, I believe it was Mike Peer, DM'd me and said, you guys should do tiptoes. Then what really pushed it over for me is I was at work and my coworker who does not listen to the podcast, who knows nothing about what's going on here was like, you do like a shitty uh, movie podcast that no one listens to, right? And I was like, yes. And he was like, you should do this movie Tiptoes. And I was like, what in the fuck is happening right now? And I I took all those signs from the universe um, to heart. I don't really believe in that kind of stuff, but sometimes you got to listen to what science is spelling out for you. In this case, it's watching a movie where Gary Oldman plays a dwarf. Not sure if that term is still current. Uh, I'm going to go with little person today. Dan, what are you thinking for terminology today? Have you had any thoughts about it? I feel like little person is fine. I don't know. I didn't do any research as to what's good good these days. But, I mean, I was like, as soon as the movie started, I was like, oh, man, like, I'm going to need to try to direct Dan away from saying midget the whole show. 
And then you just said it first. And, yeah. And then the movie said midget no less than 38 times, like sometimes like seven times in one sentence. <laughs> um, and it was basically like kind of a PSA where it was just like a bunch of vignettes of people saying midget in different contexts. And Matthew McConaughey walking into the room all cool, like, hey, man, you should call them a little person, man. <laughs> but like. It was the like the moral position being taken by who ends up being the bis- biggest piece of shit character in the movie, which usually means you're not supposed to listen to them. Well, that is like the crux of many of the problems I had watching this movie because, man, oh man, <coughs> I didn't know who to root for <laughs> well, my under- for a really long time in this one. My understanding is that they like took a real movie, a very long movie, and edited a. 90 minute rom-com out of it so like none of it works wasn't a (laughs) rom-com here's the thing poster that's a rom-com poster music that's a shitty rom-com description on tubi on which i watched it for free with commercials Mm -hmm. rom-com however uh this was as dan was alluding to before a mortifying psa in fact i would say that more, which I never thought I would say this ever, honestly, or so quickly, but more than around the fire. Yeah. This movie on a scene to scene basis had the vibe, execution, and uh camera work and music of a PSA. Yeah. Um this was, from like the nineties. This was <laughs> around the fire, but for therapy instead of not being a wook. Yeah. Uh the the messages being shipped in this movie, I think I agree with, but <laughs> the, way it <laughs> the way it goes about it is so fraught and sad. <laughs> this movie's real upsetting. Um, this movie is just fucking bananas. Really was expecting, here's what I was expecting. Let's talk about expectations. I expected to walk into this and see A, a romantic comedy. That, yeah. That never, ever happened. There was, I would say, arguably two scenes in the entire movie that went into the realm of romantic comedy. Now, there were scenes that surely started as a romantic comedy, but around the halfway point of that scene would turn into this, like, super dark, like, either Matthew McConaughey dropping into, like, a pit of total despair or um, the situation shifting into something really morbid. Uh, and and scary. It uh, was the same <laughs> movie as Around the Fire, just with little people instead of sheets. Bring sheets. Sure. Um, I really did feel that uh, these two movies are connected. They're like soul spirits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read. I did you? I read some trivia about this movie. <laughs> There's like three pieces of trivia about this movie. Yeah, but did you see the shit about Kate Beckinsale's hat? Yeah, I read it. I, we'll get it, we'll get into that. I think when we better explain uh, the actual movie a little bit more. But I did get into the hat. I guess we can do that now. Um, like through, throughout this movie, um, Kate Beckinsale, who's the female lead, uh, cast romantic interest if you want to consider where it goes. But I don't want to get into that yet. Um, and she's dressed like uh, Rappa Papa the Rapper from PlayStation <laughs> One the whole time. Parappa the Rapper. Um, I'm sorry, I was an, I was an, I was an N64 kid. Um, Rappa the Papa. <laughs> um, so she's dressed like Papa Rappa the whole time, and she's wearing like uh, she's like the dressed it like the cross section between Parappa Papa the Rapper. <laughs> she's the cross section between like 
Parappa Papa the rapper and like Kate Winslet from uh, uh, what's the movie about uh, Jim Carrey's brain? Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> yes. Just yes, in terms totally. of the way she's dressed. Yeah, yeah. She's got like fucking pyramid choker necklace on. Which for Kate Beckinsale, like you could not make her less attractive in this movie than they tried to. But you that all be you also said, couldn't make her more of a cuck than she is in the movie. <laughs> the Papa Rappa hat that she's wearing throughout the movie. Um, in the behind the scenes that I think Dan and I both looked into, um, she basically demanded uh, from well, the way that it actually happened is that she needed to get paid for the film uh, minimum wage for SAG. Um, and I think that had to do with just like her wanting to do the movie because she thought it was important. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale was like, don't worry, I got an Underworld coming out next year. You can pay me scale. She's like, the two most important films I've made in my life are Tiptoes and Rise of the Lichens. <laughs> what a streak from serendipity to this. <laughs> that Dude, that movie is also a toxic barrel of shit. For sure. <laughs> um, so um, Kate Beckinsale... Uh, agreed to take this movie on with SAG pay and her only stipulation in her contract that she would do all of this is if she got to wear her lucky hat. Um, Just an insane demand. Um, <laughs> like people who spend their entire lives and careers dedicated to costume design in shambles. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, I get to work with Kate Beckinsale. And they're yeah. like, yeah, no, Can't she's wait. bringing her own wardrobe. Oh, I bet it's going to be elegant as hell. No, it's just a floppy hat. She's like dressed like the singer of Evanescence for this whole movie. It's so <laughs> yeah. odd. Um, yeah. All right. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. but uh, And we'll get into what happened with the hat that actually ended up with the director of this film getting fired, burying the lead very deep right now in a big hole that I'm going to come back to later. But the hat led to why there is uh, no proper director on this film, why the director of the film was fired, why... The film was then taken by the studio, re-edited into a shorter cut, and apparently that cut is not the director's original vision, which was, quote, a uh, fun comedy with little people having sex in it. it. No, no, it said little people fucking. <laughs> was trying for the kids to. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to get into but all did you that. See Peter Dinklage described it as a masterpiece. He did. <laughs> And we're going to get into Peter Dinklage as well, because he's in a similar situation to this movie right now in his career um, that we will get to. Um, but for now, let's start this movie by classifying it first uh, in our podcast. Uh, Why did Lexicon. Peter Dinklage do blackface in a movie recently? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but he's in another movie. Uh, unbury this lead, I guess. He's in a movie right now they're shooting. Is the Disney live action remake of Snow White. Um, oh, good. Take that extreme pain first up front. Let it wash I through I saw a you. poster for it. Isn't it starring the girl from Euphoria? <sighs> there is no poster for it. It is not that far into being made. Okay. There is no marketing material for it. People are actually not sure if it takes place in a fictional world or if it's like a modern day retelling because some of the set photos have seemed to suggest otherwise. But uh, the problem that is equally shared by both Tiptoes and now the Disney remake of Snow White is that um, in both films you have regular sized people playing little people uh in the case of um tiptoes we have <laughs> dracula actor uh gary oldman who is playing a little person yeah, acclaimed british actor 
<laughs> of all the, the movie features no less than 150 actual little people but for like the co-male lead they needed to pick a respected british actor um it's kind of like in touch of evil where there's like oh no everyone's in mexican face in touch of evil never mind yeah <laughs> This is like, and that was in the fifties. This was like they took the time to make all the extras be actual little people because they could right. pay them less. Yes, but like for anyone who is important besides Peter Dinklage, they were like, nah, we're not gonna have you front and center on camera. They took the time to not only do that, but it is a film that, in its PSA nature, dips a thousand times over into basically um, just spitting out facts, knowledge, day-to-day life of little people in a way that is meant to educate the audience, in a way that is meant to be helpful to the little person community. And if you were to port this situation onto any other group of marginalized people, it becomes really fucking funny. Um, If you had a movie with all black people and then just like Tom Holland in blackface. Yeah, right. Um, If you had explaining the plight of black people. Sure. Like if you had like a movie about the Orthodox Jews and like the star of it was Hank Azaria. It just like (laughs) is not. I feel like Hank Azaria has got Jewish energy. He was just uh, in in, in the idol recently. He did Jewface for the whole season. He played um, basically Ari Gold. I buy, um, I buy that. Um, Did you ever see? He does an oh. Israeli accent in it. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. I, I know the answer is no, but did you ever watch Brockmire? No. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Which one's that with Hank Azaria? Yeah. Oh, yes. Is that where he's like a sports coach he's of a, some kind? He's like a minor a f- league baseball announcer. Yeah. I. Uh, Yes, I did watch that back when it was on Showtime. Yeah, maybe I think so. I watched a no, season was, of that show. I think it was on like Stars. Or some it, that show was hilarious. It was really yeah, funny. It was like um, Hank Azaria getting to like and, say, Ama- and Amanda Peet. Right. Yeah. It was like Hank Azaria getting to say swear words and like hit hookers for the first time on TV. It was yeah. nice. I and liked it. There was some baseball content. Didn't like that. Forgot <laughs> it was even about baseball. I was honestly mixing it up with Ted Lasso's sport, the one with the checkers on the ball. <laughs> Yeah, football. Football. Um, so um, football. <laughs> football. Um, this movie is um, firmly part of the podcast family. I really feel like it had everything we've ever found in a bad movie. I don't see what it could possibly such as Patricia Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, every time in this podcast history where there's been an Arquette involved in a movie, it's been fucking horrible. <laughs> Yeah, keep that family away from this podcast. <laughs> well, shout out to Whole Ten Yards coming up later this season. <laughs> is she in that? Roseanne is in that bitch. Oh my god, um, Patricia Arquette in arguably her last year of not looking like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> and boy, did she use it wisely. <laughs> She's in like three eleven dreadlocks. <laughs> She's um yeah she is in this movie um. As a, as a Peter Dinklage fuck toy. Yes, as a cornrow braided prostitute. Yeah. From she's straight out of Spring Breakers. Right. <laughs> uh, she she had an odd vibe in this movie for sure that I did not appreciate at all. No, incredibly odd vibe coming off of Little Nicky fame. Um. Yeah, I think that really sent her for a loop. <laughs> 
Um, Can she, I wash my winky in your kitchen sinky? I think the only thing that would have made this movie better is if the ultimate reveal was that this movie took place in the Little Nicky verse. Get in the flask. <laughs> Dan's doing a full body impression right now. No, those were samples. I'm just kidding. Oh, those were samples. <laughs> um, so release um, the evil. <laughs> Oh, just keep pressing that sample button. <laughs> Here I go, pressing it. I'm gonna press it one more time. I just have to make the same voice I had when I had COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, not a real disease. Um, <laughs> just kidding. This movie tiptoes um, had it all. It had um, lots of commentary on Marxism for for, <laughs> for whatever, some reason. For some reason, it's like. When the AI made this movie to fuck with us, the things that weren't in it, that were tropes of our podcast, were inserted in the laziest ways imaginable. There's a anti-Israel Gaza Strip comment <laughs> in this movie comes out of absolute nowhere. Uh, the AI was like, let's let's get DS a little bit on yeah. this one. There was a moment um, in the movie where Kate Beckinsale and Matthew McConaughey have to get married and their t- their parents are talking about uh you know what kind of wedding they're ultimately going to need and the one uh, like Carol Kate Beckinsale's character um their family has to modify the wedding because they have orthodox Jewish members of the family yeah. then all of a sudden it's revealed like Carol's Jewish everyone's Jewish yeah. and they have a big <laughs> Jewish wedding yeah. where Matthew McConaughey wears a yarmulke yes these are things that were not shipped in any moment of no. this movie. And the AI was like, got to make this more appropriate for Dan and Dan. Out loud, I, I turned again. And it was like the first thing I said out loud during this movie was like, Matthew McConaughey and Akipa is a big ask. <laughs> a, the biggest. Bigger than um, Gary Oldman walking on his knees yeah, for this whole movie. Yeah, I bought Gary Oldman as like a drunk American dwarf far more than I bought fucking Matthew McConaughey is a Jew. <laughs> Definitely felt like... This movie in the context of that Matthew McConaughey insane video from, like, a couple months ago of, like, him, like, live streaming for five hours just oh, yeah. yelling at the camera. His like, infomercial. Yeah, yeah. Like, this in that context was wild. I feel like two people were on their physical deathbeds in this movie, as in, like, this was the last movie where they looked all right, and it was Matthew McConaughey and Patricia Arquette. Because this was, like... This was like the Matthew McConaughey, for example, who like in this movie, like fills out, fills out a pair of whitey tighties. I mean, the man is fucking. This man, okay, is yeah. an Adonis. Yeah. Um. Then you go to like Dallas Buyers Club where he has AIDS. Yeah. And True Detective where he just looks like he's Republican, and it's really um, his physical downfall. Kind of in the other direction of Patricia Arquette. This movie came out like the same year as like uh, that fucking uh, Kate Hudson rom com with him. The like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, I was, I which kept, I saw in theaters. I kept going to say Ten Things I Hate About You, but Ten Reasons to Lose, <laughs> Ten Reasons to Leave Your Lover, Pap- Ten Ways to Leave Your Lover, <laughs> Papa Rappa, The Ten Reasons to Leave Your Lover. Yeah, on PlayStation. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, commentary, Marxism, uh, transsexual prostitutes, physical disabilities. Yeah. Ego fails from actors, directors, every conceivable way that you could fuck up, I feel like is in this. Um, 
and uh, like '90s blues rockabilly Planet Hollywood soundtrack, mm -hmm. which uh, really brings our visuals, our actors, the randomness of the cast list, the ego fails uh, found in both um, Gary Oldman playing a little person and and uh, just this movie being made. Period. I mean, it's got when I texted you last night. I truly meant it. It's got it all, and it it, it also as we will get into gets so fucking dark <laughs> so fucked up when again it could have just been like a rom-com it could have been like um my big fat greek wedding with little people you know yeah. what i mean instead of everyone's greek and and loves to bully it's like everyone <laughs> it's a midget yeah um uh, i i i'm feel like you've touched on so much of it that i can just bang this out now i made i made a list of my top 10 favorite things about this movie. Like, nothing more than a couple words. Just, like, t 10 concepts. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. One, Peter Dinklage's accent in general. Yeah, incredible. Insane. Two. Pretty good, though. Uh, If he's, like, playing Pepe Le Pew, it was well, yeah, ridiculous. He, he is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Two, Patricia Arquette's general vibe and willingness to show her vagina. Yeah, I think I saw her vagina. The first shot of her is just her with her spreading her legs to the camera. It was a lot. Yeah. Uh, three, we touch on this. Peter Dinklage's based <laughs> politics. Four. Make that number one. <laughs> four. Matthew McConaughey's bulge. Massive. <laughs> a Donnell. I don't know if that is an adjective. They made this man wear the smallest underwear. <laughs> this man is filling out that underpants, man. Yeah. All right. Number five. Ominous thriller music cues when it is sweetly suggested that someone go to therapy. Dan, there, Dan, <laughs> please put a pin in that, dude. There are some scenes in this movie that are shot like they're in, in a David Cronenberg movie. It makes no sense. Yes. Um, six. Figuring out the odds that they happen to end up in the little in the single ward in the hospital where the doctor is also a little person. <sighs> You know, I went there first, but I believe that was a specialty doctor that they were seeing. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> unexpected. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that go because they didn't make that clear. So I'll let that go. Seven. Unexpected Judaism. <laughs> unexpected Judaism caught me like a fucking tripwire in this movie. I had no idea what was going on. Go on. Okay. Eight. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed the endless patience that Matthew McConaughey's character gets by his partner. <laughs> Dude, that is a raw take, too. <laughs> that, the, that, if you've seen this movie, is pretty offensive. The but. amount of leeway this guy gets is okay. unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, I only made nine. That's fine. Nine. That's classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Random button alert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, too. Here, let me give you your tenth. Is But I didn't say nine yet. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Nine. Nine. Nine, nine is <laughs> drunk breastfeeding. Oh, my God, dude. It's like all this other shit has been swirling around. I forgot there's a drunk breastfeeding scene in this movie. Like self-admitted. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm drunk, motherfucking. <laughs> fuck you. I'll give my baby this milk. Oh, dude, that was weird. Yeah. There's no good characters in this movie. No, dude, dude the, the, it's a rotten crop. And I don't blame my wife, Rachel, for uh, bowing out like 24 minutes into this movie because it's a tough watch like all the best of our podcast. But um, I will say that your number 10, which I'm going to add in uh, for my own sake here, is this shows uh, relation to the police. 
do you know this movie's connection to the police? Did you read that far into it? No. Oh wait, oh wait, wasn't this? Let me add two hold things. On. Wasn't it? Right. Wasn't it? Ri- like produced by the co-creator of Cops. Yes. So <laughs> I believe his name is Chris Langley, who is the guy who made the show Cops. Uh, is neighbors with the director, and the director. And this guy got into it with each other to make this movie. For some reason, the producer of Cops thought this was a good idea. But who knows what this movie was in its original two and a half hour cut? I can kind of guess what it was, but um, regardless. It because certainly wasn't good. But it's <laughs> one of the three movies that was inside this movie is, I think, the actual movie. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we can get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the guy who created Cops had a lot vested in this movie. And for that reason, he was the one that ultimately took it over, that fired the director. He was the one that was shown the original cut and was like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. That's he, why he made Peter Dinklage fucking totally contradict his politics in the third act. Yeah. He's he's the enemy. And he's... A, yeah, obviously he's and, the enemy. And he's a... <laughs> anyway, goodbye to my last 25 YouTube followers <laughs> who made it here from that racist platform. Yeah. To be clear, Dan Dan's making these videos... Just to bait racists. With fucking <laughs> opinions that I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. Under under the mm-hmm. podcast moniker. Uh-huh. Here, let it all out, Dan. And uh Go ahead. So if you're if you're listening because of the Says YouTube the guy videos, who in his own free time released in a completely unprofessional podcast, loving succession, about like baseball and autism. I added that part. That one's actually always Yeah, there. that's an underlying thread. Huh? <laughs> Uh, um, so you did the same thing. You're just mad. You're just jealous. Obi-Wan's jealous. I just don't want to be associated with simping for fucking the idol. Do you think I want to be associated with simping for succession? I didn't simp for succession. You did a two hour podcast about succession. Yeah, saying that it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you would watch my idol the, video, you'll see that I also say the, that it's fine. The, the entire podcast was me being like, it was good, but everyone relax. Um, <clears throat> uh, but the point being, um, yeah, this is also a firmly anti-police podcast. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Sorry, Joan. Lover Whoa, of Demi police. Lovato. You just wanted to say Demi Lovato? She, sorry, not sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm not sorry. You do Slash's part. Sorry. I'm not it's just, sorry. It's just a nasty guitar solo. <laughs> no shit. We stand Demi around these parts, baby. I don't terrible i hate demi lovato so yeah let's not get into that either that's like uh dan and i's politics that you don't bring up at dinner subject is demi lovato if you ever want to really drive a wedge between the two hosts of this podcast um that's the best way to do it yeah dan yeah you know what this is how you're gonna get those people back because dan just hates her because she's fucking gender fluid i hated her way before all that started it's because you hated you hate i hate bad teenage pop music. you hate teenage girls i like good pop music but she doesn't make any. Debatable. <laughs> she makes the worst possible. And then now her her leaning is like, I've made the worst possible pop music. Now I'm going to lean into like shred metal from the early 2000s, which Dan Enden also loves. Yeah. And I'm going to lean into that and remake my music and make it even more terrible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really bait directly for you. It would be like if they remade Prometheus for me, but put like sweet synth licks on top of the whole movie. Um, and it, I get why and you like, like it. It's but starring Ben Affleck. I get why you like it, but it's fucking terrible, Dan. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the aliens fucking playing baseball. 
tiptoes. It's like an um, alien in a Mets hat. So yeah, this, <laughs> this movie had everything for us here at the podcast. Um, and then and then oh and then more. Uh, I fucked up, Dan. Yeah. I did have ten. I skipped it. All right, here we go. Dan Endon's number ten on <laughs> on his list of top ten things he liked. Number ten was a sexy scene where. Kate Beckinsale jokes about having a circle jerk with little people before making out with her husband. Dude, there, yeah, there was re- there really wasn't a, a, an okay scene in this whole. Kate movie. Beckinsale says circle jerk with little people. She's like, oh uh, yeah, like thinking about your circle jerk with little people, and she's like, and he's like, you would like that, wouldn't you, baby? And then they start making out. <laughs> it was so fucking weird. <laughs> he was like, I'm not red, I'm not blue, I'm purple. <laughs> <laughs> Quote Woody Harrelson. <laughs> um, man, tiptoes. We haven't even started talking about the movie yet. Should we start doing that? Yeah. We just want to keep dancing around. <laughs> what is there to be said about tiptoes that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking um, that also we're missing like a couple other aspects to this movie. The first being that like because it was hacked up and like redone and yada, yada, yada. Don't know why this is, but a lot of this movie kind of feels like like a David Lynch surrealist nightmare. In its vibe and presentation. The flip-flopping of tones in this movie was duets-esque. Yes, for sure. It went from absolute bottom barrel, darkest you could ever fucking imagine. Yes, truly some of, like, the like there are scenes that if you pulled them out in isolation, you'd be like, oh, this is, like, an incredibly dark psychological drama about Matthew McConaughey completely unraveling about, like, the genetic potential of his family. <sighs> All right, let's, let's get into a couple of the things that need to be set up front, especially with the way that this movie is presented. Three movies are happening in this movie. One of them yeah. is a bizarre... Um, Buddy Dave, road trip movie. Yeah, David... I would say a cross-section between David O. Russell and David Cronenberg road trip movie with little people and a prostitute. That is its own yeah. like criterion collection, uh, French like sequel to the station agent or what is it yeah <laughs> um that is that movie i love the station agent good movie but this is way way bad what, what's the, what's the, what's the woman in that movie is that P- patricia clarkson is that patricia another clarkson? patricia who's a good actress i don't know um station agent 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 this this barbie movie. carnival this movie also 10 out of 10 <laughs> Um, no, it's not. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, uh, there is the first movie. The first movie follows Peter Dinklage, Tyrion from Game of Thrones, with a French accent, uh, extremely based, hardcore, like terroristic leftist, uh, on the verge of anarchy. Yeah, psychopath. He, he's a he's a so like. It start like his politics are introduced by him just like drunkenly yelling at a dude at a party, uh, qu- you know, quoting fucking Lenin. And I was like, damn, fucking Peter Dinklage is based. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, okay, but he's also like a gazillionaire with like hosting lavish Gatsby esque parties, and he has a Jesus cross tattooed on him, which is very opposing to Marxism. I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> Does Peter Dinklage actually have a tattoo of a cross? Like, I think the tattoos on? were fake. I want to say the tattoos were fake, but odd, not positive. Yeah, he also like he's anti-feminist. 
Oh, he hates women. Which is also contradictory to Marxism. Contradictory to Marxism and everything that a lot of the things he says stands for. It's very strange. Yeah. They just like tried to shove a lot of like what I would describe as just French stereotypes into his character. Yeah. They did not congeal to a level that created a real human being. Um, yeah. But for all intents and purposes, what were produced is an incredibly based version of Peter Dinklage. Um, his movie is a road trip movie where he and his prostitute girlfriend, Patricia Arquette. Who he picks up on the side of the road within yeah. exactly 11 seconds of the movie. 11 seconds of the movie starting. Starts with them on like roadster. Like the movie starts with Gary Oldman, little person in like a fucking roadster motorcycle. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, but it's like a motorcycle mixed with like a grocery store toy car. It's like uh, when you see a motorcycle that has a sidecar that like Robin would sit in, but just the sidecar by itself. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and um, they come rolling up to the bus stop and pick up Patricia Arquette. Big um, vibes of uh, what's a what? I felt, I felt what, big duets vibes during that first scene. What's the movie uh with like John Travolta and all these other old actors fucking riding around on motorcycles? I think like Kevin Costner's at like Warhogs. Old, do- old dogs. Old dogs. We were old. supposed to do that for the podcast. <laughs> it was, Tim it, Allen. I yeah, think is in that yeah, movie. Yeah, it starts like that movie. Old, I don't know why we never did that. It's it, that movie looks so fucking funny. It's got terrible. nothing in it. <laughs> it sucks ass. It's got nothing in it that this movie didn't have. That's for sure. Um, and so yeah, uh, movie, <laughs> I mean most don't. <laughs> this movie, had, thankfully, had everything. <laughs> this movie has everything you wouldn't want in a movie, which is why we're like Judy, like it. Judaism, <laughs> like Jews, <laughs> like a positive portrayal of Judaism. And for the for the new member for the new members from the YouTube. We're yeah. Spoiler alert, we're, we're Jewish, so we just lost another 10,000 followers. But, spoiler alert, we will join you lightly in making fun of Jews. Yeah, so shout out. On to, our terms. Shout out to Dan's Trump fan base, and I appreciate you wanting us all to move to Israel so the rapture can come and take us all out for you. Let's go, baby. I sold acid, Dad. Uh, not wrong. <laughs> Um, the uh, Kang firmed the the second movie inside of this movie. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's good. Seagram's escapes, baby. As good as it gets, baby. Um, the second movie inside of this movie is uh, the quote unquote romantic comedy, if you will, which is a deeply offensive story <laughs> about. A man buried in shame. Uh, that man. Uh, yeah, previously in this podcast, we described um, Demi Moore and um, Woody Harrelson's relationship as the most toxic relationship we had witnessed on screen in this podcast. Mm. No more, fam. I'm gonna go still with that one. Really? <laughs> oh, for sure, dude. Really? I mean, this one. This one is terrible. This one is insidious. But, but. Matthew McConaughey like has a lot of trauma that he's trying to deal with, and for sure, and as, boy does he make it known. As somebody who also comes from like a family that they need to basically keep hidden out of shame because they're such freaks. Um, Shout out to the people who left your fucking YouTube channel yet again. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> please subscribe <laughs> now on YouTube movie blues um, oh man dude you we should post yeah my 
my recordings of me during election night to the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, that's for a great idea, people. Dan. <laughs> for those people. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> Stop deleting their comments and just reply with links to it. Well, when you send me it, I will. Been waiting on this thing for a couple years now. I know it's not flattering. <laughs> I, was, I was banged up. Um, <laughs> uh, the romantic comedy that's in this movie, uh, which is not a comedy and it doesn't feel romantic. If anything, what do you mean? The f- we're the f- we're introduced them <laughs> with the loudest zipper noise ever, Dan. It reverberated through the halls of Valhalla. <laughs> Just off-screen zipper noise. And from Jump Street, this is a relationship so full of love that purely the man walking up to the woman and informing him, informing her that he's got to go out leads to her to quit in the middle of working to turn around and drop to her knees, Dan. Yeah. In worship of his bulge. Yeah. And he says no. And he says no. And she's devastated. She is devastated. Because this is, you know, generally when you're showing the first introduction of the two romantic leads, Uh that's meant to set the tone for what their dynamic is. Sure. And what their dynamic is, is that she worships this man's dick. Yep. And he is at best indifferent towards her. (laughs) He is at best indifference towards most situations in his life. (laughs) Yeah. And And that I relate to. And what I related to the most about that is that- Because I certainly didn't relate to his physique. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Um, What I related to in his character was not something in in me, of course, but what really opened the door for me to understand- I was imagining him in me. How toxic, how shitty of a person Matthew McConaughey is in this movie is that he was a firefighter. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, he was a firefighter trainer. Yeah, well, I'm sure at one point he was a firefighter. <laughs> no, nah, um, he learned it in the Navy. Uh, I will tell you a quick story that I wanted to tell last season on the podcast, but I, I thought I would save it uh, for now. Um, we're trying to alienate pretty much every... I'm going to hate this. We're probably... we're No, you'll like this. Okay. Um, trying to alienate almost every single audience that we have right now, now going after firefighters. Um, <laughs> there is a ongoing joke on this podcast if you have been listening these past seven years or whatever um that um dan hates the police so as a reaction (laughs) and to uh ask for attention myself i've decided that part of my character trait on the podcast is that i hate firefighters um (laughs) i'm not going to admit how much of that is true but i will say that i was on vacation uh (laughs) in mexico and um uh we didn't really like have too many people we were hanging out with because we were just doing our own thing and we were at a big resort, whatever. But we did on our excursion get to know this other couple who was really cool and that we went through like this cave tour and a cenote with and we were Is like Is this a swinger story? No. We were just like hitting it off, um, looking at each other. No. <laughs> we were we were hitting it off and <laughs> having a good time and like Oh, I'll tell another part of this story too that I thought was interesting. So the way that oh boy. I really bound myself to knowing that this would be a good dude to kind of buddy up with for a few hours was that he <laughs> move on Dan because I've been deemed with mental health <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> he slipped me his room key how do I make this less gay <laughs> I don't know um, was that we were on the bus <laughs> step one is to stop robbing yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah my bad <laughs> yeah seriously my bad that's not appropriate. So this is why we can't film the podcast, Jack. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that and our general lack of physical desirability. So we're on uh, this bus, and I look over, and this dude's hitting a pen. And I was like, I, too, hit pens. A, pe- in- a pen 15, you know what I'm saying? Bring sheets. Because we're sleeping together <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Why are you gay? Um, I waited as long as I could to press that, Dan. If you good, must know. Good job, new record. <laughs> <laughs> new record! Um, so we're on the bus, and I see he's smoking something, and I'm like, I too am smoking things in inappropriate places. So we start talking, and he was like, when we get off at the next, this couldn't sound any gayer. Jesus Christ, dude. What's going on here? Come you on. stop laughing get the, get at the parts that aren't funny. Get the story out, man. What are you doing? He's like, spit it out at the next stop. <laughs> nice, dude. Oh, I'm about to bust. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not gonna continue this. No. Uh, all right. So he's like, let's get to the part where you fuck hard. This next sentence is gonna be the gayest one yet. So just get ready. You ready? <laughs> I was born ready. He goes at this next stop. Yeah. When we get off the bus. Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to hit my pen and I'll hit yours? <laughs> now, was it, was it describe? Was he? Was it a white man? Oh, was it an American? Yeah, yes to both. Was he yeah. Jewish? No. And he still talked he to was, you. Huh? He was built. Okay. But like, we're pen buddies. We're crossing boundaries. You're crossing swords, if you will. To be bent, to be pen buddies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so you serious? We get off at the the stop. But we forget to touch each other's pens. I mean, to trade pens. That's probably for the best, Dan. We just had COVID. Like, but I was like, this dude is. That's not real. It, th- we were like, shout this, out to Dan on the podcast two years ago, being like, dude, when this is all over, I'm done. I'm done fucking handshaking people. I'm done, dude. With I'm, I'm trying to make and a you're, friend. You're like, bro, I'm, that thing was in your mouth. Yo, let me put it in my mouth. You would go to bat this hard for me not to make a single social interaction. <laughs> yeah, relax. I need peers. Relax, buddy. <laughs> we're not all troubled as you. Some of us like touching somebody else's pen. Dude, look, I've been no I've been known to touch a pen from time to time. Why are you gay? Nice, dude. <laughs> Tell us more. Um, anyway, it's at this point I've decided he's cool, we're cool, everything's cool. This will be our little trip buddy for a while while we're, you know, on this bus. Rachel's hitting it off with this girl. She's got a really nice butt and is wearing like a thong. I'm mm. like, this is a good relationship for everyone here everyone's benefiting so what were they getting out of their friendship with you camaraderie okay genius commentary (laughs) in rachel's uh a friend it's like that in me a cautious uh somewhat intimidating force to be around (laughs) it's like that meme with the guy yelling at the girl about at the basketball game and she's just looking forward and you're like empire fucking ruined movies though (laughs) (laughs) um did not show them any videos. Um, <laughs> You're like, are you familiar with whams? Do you know whams? Woo! Um, so um, I was like, this dude blazes. Because I went to that place in my brain because he seemed like kind of hip hop adjacent. <laughs> okay. And was wearing like a chain. Okay. And I was like, you know what? And listen. At my resort, they're selling weed pens like they're fucking candy being handed out on fucking Halloween. Right. So 
I'm like, dude's blazing. He wants to try my flaves. I'll try somebody <laughs> else's flaves as like a social, you know, uh, agreement. This is like, you reaching out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is how you reach out. Yeah. This was, I assume this, this is like was when on you're your at a concert. This is on your therapist's behest, I assume. This is like if you're at a concert and you're an extreme introvert like Dan and I and like the guy directly next to you is like doing cool drugs. And at some point, not in the first set, but maybe in the second set, you're like, Dude, cool drugs. And he's like, cool drugs to you too. And maybe, maybe you'll trade drugs, but it's not a like an absolute guarantee. But if it happens, that's like a signing of a social contract. So what I'm saying- I would never do that in this day and age. Well, I'm a much more of a social bug than you. Then you're gonna die of fentanyl. Um, so uh, well, if, the, if the guy who's doing the drugs next to me is fine, I'll be all right. Um, yeah, unless he's a fucking fentanyl addict. He's the guinea pig. I watch him do the drugs first. Okay. I was in Mexico. No fentanyl there. Um, so I was like, we're cool. We're pen buddies. <laughs> Land of regulated drug use. He's got drugs. I got drugs. But then we got to the beach and things took a little of a bit of a dark turn. Oh. Because then it came to really trading pens. And <laughs> I have my weed pen and my nicotine pen in my pocket. Okay. And he was like, try my pen. And I was like, dope. Cool. And I hit it and it was a nicotine pen. Oh, and I was first, I was like, why are you gay? Because like, I don't want to try your nicotine pen, bro. That's not the social contract. The social contract was cool drugs. <laughs> this, this is not cool drugs. I don't want to do your cigarette thing. I don't want you to touch my cigarette thing. But I thought this was going to be about weed. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah. So. because he thought you were a cop. So. What ended up happening there... Dan, you don't trade weed with strangers in Mexico. You're going to go to jail forever. I flip the vape in my hand, which was the weed one to give him, to the nicotine one, because I'm like, this now this is weird. So he hits the nicotine pen, and I'm like, this guy's not who I thought he was. Like, kind of a minus in my book now, unfortunately. I thought we were trading drugs. <laughs> he thought we were going to fuck. Then my dude, because, again, we're at a private beach... <laughs> Takes off his shirt. Let's go. And Dan. Cue the music. Turns around. And you've never seen, like you've never seen, a more violently pro-firefighter tattoo in your life. <laughs> like from the tip of the top of his neck to the small of his back is this mural of a building burning of like a man in like a full firefighter, like bursting through the flames of like a building going down names on his shoulders of his fallen fucking brothers. Like, wow. uh, like it was, it was as intense of a thing, like so intense that everyone needed to talk about it. Like the second anyone saw it, Rachel was just like, Whoa. And we were like, Oh my God. And I was like, Oh no. Because as you know, I hate firefighters. Yeah. yeah and that's, implied. And that's the end of the story. You know, you know why he was vaping? He broke my heart. You know why he was vaping? <laughs> to put out that fire inside, was, you know? Because, you know, he's not going to smoke because the risk. L large percentage of fires are start by lit cigarettes, Dan. I mean, vapes explode. Someone's got to tell this guy. <laughs> he's adding to it's the It's all problem. about mitigating risk. He has the disposable ones, too, so you know he's oh. like throwing them in the trash and they're probably exploding and starting fires. What a fucking animal. That's job security, though. Yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> why are you gay? I've been rewatching Rescue Me. Mm -hmm. You'd love it. It's it's the Dennis Leary is a piece <laughs> of shit firefighter thing. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't need to watch that show. I know that's real. 
It's, it's all about just firefighters being heroes who are the biggest pieces of shit ever. You heard it here, folks. This was like when Hannibal Burris was the first one to say something about Bill Cosby. I am that guy to kick this off. So come talk to me. That's all I'm saying. It's such a weird take. Come talk to me. Is that's all I'm saying. I'm saying it's not a couple bad eggs. Now, now, yeah. Now it's I'm, a whole run. Now I'm nest. gonna play the role of your parents and be like, yeah, you're you fucking hate the firemen now until your house is on fire. Then who are you gonna call? Yeah, you two with the police. What do you? Fuck the police. What do you? What are you gonna call a social worker when your house is on fire? <laughs> what are you gonna do, Dan? Stop a burglar with a gun? Seems, oh wait. Seems. Not unrealistic. <laughs> um, How else right. do you stop a burglar? <laughs> look, look, the joke, the bit only compares I, I so many knock, times. I watched Knock Knock, dude. Um, <laughs> I know what happens. You need a gun. Yeah. Um, it needs to be hidden in a vase. Oh, hold on. Hold on. We're getting our YouTube followers back here. I see the numbers rising. <laughs> Movie kicks off again. Uh, roadside stop. Um, and then like. We went from like rockabilly blues jazz, like whole 10 yards music. Yeah, yeah. I was on board immediately. I was like, we are, this is my kind of movie. But then, we got 2004. It shifted directly into, and the only way I can describe this is because it, the mute, the fucking soundtrack hits so many different 90s <laughs> lost genres of bad music. But um, then it went into this like fake Randy Newman esque yeah. song. And it was also like, like whole nine yards. It was like, but it wasn't Randy Newman. No, but it was very like, like you got a little person in me. Yeah, little people in me. Dan had a fireman in him. I had a fireman in me at the beach. Why? Why is he getting increasingly Jewish? I mean, I it's because it's, it's you. <laughs> I want that fly? Why is he getting increasingly more Jewish? Is a question you don't need to ask me about my character work, Dan. Yeah. That's what I slip always back into. I if slip there, into the old Jewish man. If you made a collage of the photos of you at the beginning of each season, that's exactly what someone would say. You got him. Why is it getting increasingly more Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> little person in me. Um. Anyway, this movie had me at it being an hour and a half long. Yeah. I can say that much. First question. Made me work. Made me work for it. Made me work for that hour and a half, though. Dude, she asked me how long is it? <laughs> Um, cause I had, I was very t- caught off guard by how long Scream 6 was. Um, yeah. so I, dude, I looked at it and I was Googling it and fucking, I was so nervous when I was Googling the runtime and it came up and it said one hour, 30 minutes even. And out loud I went, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Thank fucking God. <laughs> that being said, it felt like, there was a two, it felt like three hours. It long. was originally two and a half hours long. It felt like the OG cut three hours and eight hundred minutes yeah. to watch. This movie was such weird bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's get into just up front. Um, the thing that we're I would say we're kind of avoiding, but like <sighs> Gary Oldman in this movie who. Is playing. A I'll l- never see him the same, dude. It was that bad for you, dude. I mean, it's Gary Oldman. That's like a G, you know. Yeah, but he's been Dracula. He's I know, been Commissioner Gordon. In my head, I see him pretty much entirely as like a certain caliber of career. I thought he did pretty good in this movie. He did great in this movie. He yeah. still should not have been in this movie. <laughs> no, for sure not. 
So basically, uh, he's playing. He, he would do good as anything. He's a great actor. Why is he is walking around on his knees playing a dwarf? <laughs> it's fucking weird. He should have been. Uh, yeah. like, he he should have been like, look, Peter Dinklage sure. is right there. Just right. He could. He could do it. Just let this guy do it. Yeah. And I'll be. I'll go be serious, black. Someone else. Yeah. In a different story. Literally anyone. Um, Ideally, a white British man. Well, that's not what happened, unfortunately. He did, in fact, do this movie. This movie yeah. really happened, I guess, even though I'm struggling to believe it. He's a curmudgeonly dwarf who hang who travels the country with fucking oh, radical left Peter Dinklage yeah. and chills in CD motels while he fucks people and, like, you know, gives speeches about the dangers of forest fires and growing up small. <laughs> They're, like, sucking down morphine. Fucking Peter Dinklage is just like making lean with fucking pure fucking morphine syrup. Yeah, in in the and brandy. In his first real scene of this movie, Peter Dinklage is drinking uh, a mix of cognac and cherry flavored morphine syrup. I did originally like applaud that and be like, "Oh, fucking sick flex, Peter." Sorry, I just tried to kill fly. You, you were you were like, "Yo, cool drugs." Uh, first I was like, yo, cool drugs. And then later in the movie, they even made me feel bad about that. They were like, us little people need morphine because we hurt all the time. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, he's not just a little person. They basically gave, uh, Gary Oldman the physique and walk of E.T. <laughs> um, Dude, yeah, his like, he, his I, shoulder bulge is fucking a lot. They gave him a tremendous hunchback. They they gave him a cane, I would guess, to better flow the effect of him hobbling on his yeah. knees. Yeah, but he looks like fucking Chris Elliott in Scary Movie 2. From four or five feet away, they shadow his knees out with CG and replace them with CG feet, and it is fucking awful to look at. Yeah. It's really like, we'll make your whole body just... It's a bummer. Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, and you can tell, like, you know, they knew it looked like shit and they yeah. didn't have a huge budget for it. So like, it only happens a couple times because the majority of the time, like it's a regular movie, but they, the rest of the time you just see Gary Oldman from chest. Up. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll do like, they try to do obfuscation, like in Austin powers yeah, yeah, when yeah. he's walking around the hotel room. Totally. Um, but instead with his legs and feet, yeah. um, it is, I mean, to say to say it's distracting is is a deep understatement. And I just picture Gary Oldman like you know getting the pitch from his agent. And he's like, ah, this will be the next in a long line. It's like Daniel Day Lewis, my left foot. Like, I'm gonna tackle such a well, challenging role. The thing is, and like, then he got there. He's greeted by Matthew McConaughey just being a terrible actor. Just be like, all right, all right, all right, morphine. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, do you think he got to say it was like, I made a huge mistake? <laughs> he just looks so garish in this fucking movie. And they gave him like twor like, like traits of dwarfism that weren't necessary. Like they almost went, they, they course corrected to a degree that they added things that they didn't need to add. They yeah. gave him glasses that magnified his eyes. So <laughs> yeah, like, he, like Milton. He looked like the grandma from Triplets of Belleville. Um, <laughs> he had like giant anime cartoon eyes. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure they gave him fake teeth so that he would like speak like he had a, a set of wooden dancers in. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He's Matthew McConaughey's twin brother. He's a thousand years older than him. 
<laughs> you know, I never even thought of how much older he is. They're twins, Dan. Gary Oldman's like 60 in this movie. <laughs> Gary Oldman hobbles in and is like, let me tell you a story. Yeah, Matthew Guy is walking around in tidy whities yeah, literally like, like underwear model. Like he's cut by Da Vinci yeah. from fucking pure <laughs> marble with a bulge larger than Gary Oldman's entire fucking body in this movie. And Gary Oldman's like, yeah, it's my twin brother. A real whippersnapper. They were like, let's look at a really uh, functional like dwarf in society like... <laughs> Let's look at the guy who played uh, Willow and all those characters in Star Wars. Like, okay, good. Got it. Let's make him three times more fucked up than yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> Let's dude. give him a hunchback. This and... movie is, it's the movie Twins. <laughs> sure. From like by A24. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same thing where it's like, like the disparity between the two of them is Danny DeVito versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's how ludicrously disparate they are. Yes. It's like if Danny DeVito was 90 in that movie. It's worse than Twins. <laughs> yeah, oh Twi- yeah, for sure. Like Twins is easier to swallow than the than Gary Gary Oldman not yeah, as a Danny dwarf. Yeah, Danny DeVito's actually a short person. Gary Oldman not as a dwarf in this film. That's how you make this would movie. Would have been impossible to sell as brothers, even cousins to Matthew McConaughey. This is what I'm saying. They are twins. They are twins. Yeah, it's Their think... mother in this movie <laughs> looks younger than Gary Oldman. <laughs> Um, yeah, very weird. Um, and then the the dad that they chose. Yeah, he's a thousand. For Gary Oldman and he's, he's Matthew McConaughey. He's one of the trolls at Gringotts in Harry Potter. I, I believe he's also in... I was being, uh, I wasn't serious, by the way. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's fine. Uh, I believe he was the uh, dwarf who was in... I guess I don't need to say he was the dwarf. That was <laughs> yeah. awfully repetitive. <laughs> But he no, was strangely enough. He played f- fucking. Uh, I think he was in Twin Peaks. He played Ben Affleck's <laughs> twin in another movie. They were <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> I actually would watch the movie you're now describing. I'd watch anything with Ben Affleck. <laughs> nice. Then there's like an, another movie that's inside of this movie that was the movie that I wasn't like anticipating and didn't do a good job tracking so that when it started being the main movie i kind of lost the thread and was like what the fuck is going on and that's every scene with matthew mcconaughey and kate beckinsale has a sinister quality to it yeah right and at first i didn't know why or what was going on i didn't get where this movie was going this is the having a disabled child will ruin your life movie (laughs) because <laughs> that's what this became yes quickly but that let's say that that movie was in disguise as a romantic comedy yeah. the romantic comedy was a front for having a disabled child will ruin your life like the movie which was... which apparently was the movie being shipped most important of any of these movies and we really haven't talked about it very much yeah. yet but there were many times throughout this movie where a scene would end. Now, just keep in mind, like Matthew McConaughey comes from a family of all little people. His entire extended family, his yeah, I guess brother. that's worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, we did not mention this, but Matthew McConaughey's entire family, like extended and beyond, is all little people. Um, yeah, he, he's like the big man on campus, basically. Yeah, um, and 
they hang out at little people advocacy sure fucking events like they go to little people events that are like david lynch movies and and, yeah i mean dude like and what's happening is that like he's in a very serious long-term approaching marriage relationship with a woman who just like blows him every time he walks in the room and he just like she's totally okay with the fact that he's never introduced her to any of his family never mentions anything about his family and it isn't until after she impregnates him or vice versa she impregnate he impregnates her that she reveal that it gets revealed that like genetically their kids probably going to be a dwarf and their lives are going to be horrible and that's like ultimately the messaging is like don't have a dwarf kid if you might cuz like there's like implications that like Kate Beckinsale makes this very odd statement about how she's like not anti-abortion but like the implication is clearly that like Matthew McConaughey thinks she should have an abortion and like I feel like ultimately the messaging was that she should have unless she was going to partner with another dwarf because it's hard <laughs> <laughs> No the messaging is and this is what's hardest to unpack about this movie the messaging is so bad and confusing in this movie that that's what kind of threw me off. Like very early on, it's made clear to Matthew McConaughey, who again is coming from a place of understanding the little person community far more than Kate Beckinsale yeah. from living in it, being ingratiated in it, being raised in it. And at the same time, the film is shipping a world in which he is the most hateful towards them. Yeah. But it doesn't, start that way but at least be, in my to opinion to be fair they make it clear that it's only because he won't go to therapy well that's how they start to kind of begin this plot line they're like Matthew McConaughey like you should feel bad because you haven't gone to therapy to deal with this and I was like what are we doing now Dude, she's literally like I feel like you have ambivalent feelings towards your family and it would be really helpful if you like got help and he's like you mean like a shrink? And it's like, dun, dun! <laughs> oh. and it zooms in on his face. It looks like he's about to stab her in the chest. And it's just so ominous, the idea of therapy. And then subsequent themes, anytime characters are talking about him, she's confiding in his brother and Gary Oldman. And Gary Oldman's just like, yeah, you know, he just won't ever go to therapy about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's so fucking bizarre. And that, that becomes the movie. The movie becomes a PSA about how Matthew McConaughey is the most intolerant of little people of anyone, which like that would be a good MacGuffin and change in like a romantic comedy, which again, this is not. This is a horror movie. Yeah. Um, At one point, he's screaming at his wife, yelling, I'm a dwarf. (laughs) He's nine feet tall. Dude. He was like, fuck dwarves! I'm a dwarf! It was unhinged. It was crazy. <laughs> Dude, like, they Matthew s- McConaughey's done so many crazy fucking things in his career. This is so crazy. <laughs> this is the craziest. By far! Yeah, by <laughs> So, like, look, they this movie's full of real actors. They pick a guy who, like, is, uh, you know, objectively good-looking, charming. Matthew McConaughey is put into the movie as kind of like this romantic comedy character. And here's the thing, like any good romantic comedy is going to have that same fucking structure where they fall apart and in the nick of time, they pull it back together. That is not what happens. Yeah, not in this here. Movie. Um, Even what... after Dan, he comes, his right. redemption He's been arc, going to therapy, his redemption <laughs> arc, he abandons 
his wife and their newborn baby because he thinks, quote unquote, it'll be best for the kid and walks out and abandons them. And and not only, no, he doesn't walk out. He kicks them out of his place. So they need to go find somewhere to live. And then like three (laughs) months later shows up and he's like all clean cut and not disheveled anymore. He's like, hey, babe, I've been going to therapy. And she's like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) You're a piece of shit. Um, and, and then he's like, all right, all right, all right. And he leaves. And it's all good. The end. He's, um, like, he's like, I feel like I haven't made clear that whatever happens either way is cool with me. So there's a bunch cool of things. Cool as a cucumber unless he's talking about dwarves. There's a bunch of things that we um, haven't introduced yet that need to be said about this movie that are going to explain a lot of what you're saying right now. All right. And that's that when this movie starts, um, it's made clear that. He does not want Kate Beckinsale to know about his family, that they are dwarves, anything about them. Yeah, he's he trem- keeps it a he's, secret. He's got a tremendous amount of shame. But what we haven't mentioned is like Chekhov's gun in this movie, which is revealed in the first or second scene that she is pregnant. Right. And what kicks off is basically a situation in which Matthew McConaughey has to school her on her intolerance for the little people community vis-a-vis a bunch of interactions that she has with his brother with the little people in general because he is teaching a week-long firefighter course in out in the hills of california somewhere and can't be around so because there's a little people convention in town um she ends up spending all this time with the brother with his parents without him you are not there to see, as you would in a, in a romantic comedy, the uh, awkwardness of him bringing them to the parents for the first time of this and this and that. Instead, she does most of that without him. Yeah, She's an incredibly supportive and proactive partner. She basically is like, I know nothing about this. And it's made clear up front. She says midget a bunch of times, won't stop saying it. Like, and he won't stop saying he's it. He's so furious. And he's like, stop saying that word. Stop saying yeah. that word. I'm like, oh, this is a champion of little people. Right. Wrong. That is how they shit Matt- <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, that he obviously has experience with this, but that he would be more open than anyone to um, understanding the plight of someone going through that and to be supportive. That's not what happens no. in this movie at all. No. Instead, it's a movie deeply, deeply shaming his character as his character goes on like a fucking Jack Torrance level breakdown, like a, <laughs> a lead up to utter insanity that this man goes through because, you know, yes, he comes to the realization very early on that he's going to have most likely a, baby that is little he's going to have a dwarf as a, as a as a child he knows the struggles therein so in a normal movie not made by a psychopath it would be like he has to teach her uh about these struggles they come to terms with it together and become stronger as a result of it maybe they have a falling out at one right. point because it becomes hard but they get back together nope no but, instead we but have here's the thing dan what they're what they set up at least what it seemed to me, what they were setting up for a very extended middle act of the movie was that it's a it's a we don't know if it's going to happen. It's a heightened risk. So what it's it's a heightened risk of a little person child, but we don't know. Right. But what it seems like it's setting up is that throughout her pregnancy, there's going to be learning experiences of how hard it's truly going to be. And like we'll probably culminate and find out. And like, you know, like you said, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But maybe there will be some struggles. Whatever. Instead, we are like, 
the editing in this movie with jump cuts in time is so insane. It's literally like them like making out and then smash cut to a hospital of Matthew McConaughey looking like Jack Torrance melting down as a, <laughs> as a dwarf doctor carries right. his baby into the room. Yeah. Uh, the fakest baby in history. Everyone's like throwing this thing like a football <laughs> and fucking just like, she, she, like, you know, it's a loving moment. Fucking Kate Beckinsale's like, oh, my baby. Uh, what about the baby? And fucking Matthew McConaughey's sitting there just like with a 10 mile stare, just like, and punches a hole in the fucking hospital room. Yeah, his, his, uh, behavior around the realization that his his baby is going to be a little person is just yeah. disgusting to watch cut to the doctor telling him he should go to therapy right again smash cut months later baby crying matthew mcconaughey walking out of the house abandoning his fucking family just there's like, no gro- like they the things they the amount they showed us that was unnecessary for the plot while not showing us any of the important plot threads sure bananas yeah i mean they it's our it's like one hour and 20 minutes into the movie sure and they're like this is the moment i want to talk about they're like baby born matthew mcconaughey freaking out no go back no you're missing like the the end of this movie happens it happens yeah we watch it happen a half an hour before it ends and matthew mcconaughey and Kate Beckinsale decide that they're going to have the baby come hell or high water. They're going to deal with, you know, whatever comes their way as these things are probably going to be more, you know, medically complicated than they would want. And yeah. that um, they agree to that. We they, see her character growth. She's come yeah, around. She's yeah. done the work. They get married. He's in did like, some work because it seems like he's accepting it. He did a Jewish wedding. He sure. stepped on glass. He's a man now. They get married like out on a hill. It looks like the Aquarius scene at the end of 40 year old virgin. Everybody is fucking Which, having by, a by the way, Im- implying that the only good characters are the Jews. Hell yeah, dude. What's up, King? Random, random butler. Woo! Kate Beckinsale, Jewish King. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale, advocate. Jewish advocate. Um. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, fucking Adam Sandler, Kate Beckinsale, the holy trinity the of fucking, Jews. The top three. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> Netanyahu. <laughs> an Ariel Sharon guy myself. And fucking Kate Beckinsale. Dude, I'm doing an underworld marathon after this movie. This is like getting me there. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. American accent in this movie? Yeah. Uh, unadvised. Yeah. Oh, I almost got the fly. Um, They what? exclusively picked actors who don't have the real accent of the characters they're portraying, besides Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who... They basically cast Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey and then they based everyone else off of him imagine someone talking like that being the only person who actually speaks american english on set (laughs) sounds like a fucking moron sounds like a plan (laughs) um yeah um again a movie how are all of these people not canceled for this movie i don't know this is bad So I didn't know what was going on in this movie, and it felt like Matthew McConaughey's vibe was like very serial killer-like for a while. And when this all started happening, I was like, where are they going to pay this off? Like, what is being shipped here? Yeah, ultimately? I couldn't wait to see Matthew McConaughey's redemption arc. Then, um, like I said, they got married. Everything's fine. They're happy. And 
A lovely Jewish ceremony. Then I checked the time code. Yeah. And it was like, sir, you have a half an hour left. Yeah. And I was like, no. Which is crazy because the movie's like an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck horrible shit is going to happen? Yep. Then it's the smash cut to the hospital. Where she's having um, a dwarf baby. Yeah. Like is dwarf even right? I mean, she already had it. Dwarf we is like a no, mystical creature. We get none of the drama of like, oh, she's going into labor. Is this going to happen? Is it going to be a dwarf baby? No. No, it's she's. They cut to a hospital room that's like painted like it's in a Tim Burton movie. It's like dark gray. Uh, like all the doctors are dwarfs, so it's like a David Lynch movie. <laughs> There, dude, there's a lot of scenes, uh, very surreal scenes in this movie that uh, the vibe was so bizarre on. There's a phone call scene in this movie uh, with a very normal conversation happening behind it. And it's shot like an S&M fucking ASMR porno. It's so odd. Yeah. It's a phone call between Kate Beckinsale and Matthew McConaughey that ends negatively like all of their conversations. And it is shot like... A centimeter from Kate Beckinsale's lips as she's laying down in her eyes mm-hmm. as she's talking. And it is so uncomfortable. And then he is at his firefighter conference out standing out in the in the woods in the middle of the night. There's no natural lighting. So it the shot is pitch black. And they're having like a normal conversation about what is going on in their lives, that she's going to a party tomorrow. And it's like very David Lynch. Like, it, it it's literally like I said. Like, the, it's so close into our face, and she's like, "I'm going to a party tomorrow. Will you join me?" And he's like out in like the darkness by himself, and he's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what kind of party, woman?" And she's like, "I'm waiting for you, baby. Will you come and see me?" And there's like raw sax in the background. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> And he's like, he's like, explain about your party. And then he like gets nasty with well, her. She, she's like, she's like, it's a party with your family. They invited me because we're married. Your family <laughs> wants to spend time with me because we're married. And he's, it's like, it's like, dun, dun. and he's like, it like zooms in on his eyes. And he's like, oh, I'll see you at that party. Gotta go. And he just hangs up on her. <laughs> okay, then... As the scene continues, right, he hangs up on her. He is in the in darkness. <laughs> I don't know why. Like he's in isolation, and he hangs up the phone, and, and hangs up the phone like out of nowhere. Yeah. Angrily hangs up on her because every interaction they have has the to, amount has of, to end. The amount of behavior that he gets away with, with like. <laughs> No, nope. dude, he's Matt. He's Matthew McConaughey. No, no argument. If nothing. you or me looked like Matthew McConaughey, you know how much shit we could get away I, with I, in a relationship. I was thinking that the entire movie. I'm like, this is the type of shit you get to do when you look like that. <laughs> <laughs> like people talk talk about like the perks of being like like that. No, that's the perk is that you that's can just it. be the biggest piece of shit yep. and never apologize. And like some of these movies have really taught us that. Like. Matthew McConaughey <laughs> is so cruel to his pregnant wife. So cruel. And every time he shows back up home, she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm sorry. It's me. He's such uh, an abuser in this yeah, movie. It's bananas. And, and it's not something that anyone was shipping on. It's purpose. like really insidious, like psychological abuse. So, like, again, this is the third movie that's taking place inside of of the three movies that exist uh, in this movie. And 
it's it's really dark and it's really fucked up and it goes to places that I didn't expect and what we've been holding and back And what is the messaging of that like if you're born to dwarf parents you're going to be a psycho <laughs> The messaging is all wrong because you have to understand like from from my point of view I'm watching this movie like and feeling like a little bit of recognition with some of the th- of the things happening in it because I had been in relationships where I felt like I can't show my partner like how truly crazy of a world my family is in and I just imagine like my story being shipped in that same direction and how dark and insidious it would be <laughs> it's like you screaming at your pregnant wife like do you know what it's like to be raised Jewish in a, in a, Christian's, in a Christian school and then like the it do- hurts the doctor it hurts you might need surgery the doctor who is Jewish like in like has a huge beard comes in with the baby and is like well, it's true. He is Jewish. I just like <laughs> fall down on the ground, like screaming, like tearing at my flesh. And so, she was like, we were prepared for this. <laughs> I read all the books. <laughs> I read the Torah. So, so, side note. And the Talmud. So, side note, the big scene where he's like really getting through to her of how dangerous it is to have a mm-hmm. little person kid. He's, yeah. like, he's like, you you know, when you're a kid, you could need surgery. And it's like, shwoom. And she's like, oh, my God, did your brother need surgery? And he's like, no, no. And then they just move on. Yep. Who needs surgery? He's like, nah, he was a smooth, pampy, yeah. crushed yeah. pussy. <laughs> Literally. He was yeah. like, nah, his his teenage years were amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, kids were pushing me around the yard, calling me faggot. And they thought he was the man because he crushed all the pussy. And then they reveal that he's... Didn't they? They said faggot in this movie. Oh, yeah. Hard F's yeah. and R's. There was everything in this yeah. movie. It had every... And and, and, sub the N-word, it had every offensive thing you We were imagine. watching uh, Roast Battle yesterday morning, and there was a hard F. And I was like... Kat was like, when was this filmed? I was like, 2015. And she was like... Damn. And I was like, damn, it feels so out of place. And then we're watching this movie. Hard F's abound. And I was like, damn. I was like, is it... Is it more recently than I realized that you're not allowed to casually drop a hard F-bomb? Maybe. In some situations, yeah. Cause, I mean, there still are hard F-bombs and things. It depends what kind of character is saying. Yeah, but it, if it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You're right about that. If it's like Naomi Watts yelling <laughs> about her ex-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, wow. Um, that That is the structure of this film. And it, it ends... Like, you know, you, you know, they show that such a wild ending. They show that uh, Matthew McConaughey has snapped. I mean, oh, wait, and- th- we forgot. There's a B plot as well about Peter Dinklage and Patricia Arquette's relationship, which like why sure, their characters sure. are in the movie at all is well, bewildering. That is the only movie that I would have watched. Yeah, of course. Loved the movie with French Peter Dinklage as a radical Marxist and Patricia Arquette as a prostitute. Uh, love that that movie with also Gary Oldman not doing short face maybe (laughs) but short short body but he could have been full body and a brother who was just like a criminal and a piece of shit yeah watch that movie all day I would watch that movie all day well you see that that's because that's the plot involving good actors yeah I mean the (laughs) other two movies man really a problem but like so like Peter Dinklage and Patricia Arquette's horror relationship becomes a real relationship which becomes them living together which then they break up and and that's all 
And I don't know why that's in the movie. I'm assuming in the longer cut that matters more. Want to quote at least one moment from their relationship that I wrote down that I thought was worth mentioning. They have like a picnic at one point and they're starting and the two of them like they meet up in the first scene of the movie, but they fast become very close and have like a really strong infatuation with each other Um, and which gets also very toxic because everything in this movie turns to shit. Um, But uh, there's a moment where they're having a picnic and um, she's explaining like her backstory, which we know very little about. We know that she's like a hitchhiking lady of the night. She's a whore. But other than that, not much. But she reveals to him, she goes, well, my old man Jerome used to whittle wood wood jewelry. He even whittled me a wedding ring. And then like, (laughs) <laughs> then it turns into kind of like remember Dr. Evil in therapy when he's like my mother was named Chloe and was like <laughs> a prostitute with webbed feet yeah. um, then she's like uh, oh yeah he turned really evil he was a truck driver and those guys are all on crank and then there's yeah. you know transsexual prostitutes anyway he flipped out and thought I was an alien walk in Yeah. and I was like what are we <laughs> the fuck are we doing in this movie they are very quickly explaining why she's a whore. If you wanted to make this movie and appeal to the little people. Yeah, step one, just put a gun in your mouth. <laughs> but you wanted to do this right. If you wanted to do this right, first of all, don't make this movie rated R. Like, this movie yeah. was raunchy and fucked up yeah. at one point. The, David the Alan sex Greer. in this movie serves zero purpose. <laughs> David Alan Greer, who's one of the few people who are in this movie yeah. of any fame or recognition. But Pe- the people of DAG. You know that there's movies, right? And we've talked about them before that like set up a universe of something inappropriate or fucked up, but it sets up like a universe with rules. That's like what was going on in this movie. And David Alan Greer played like a fake celebrity yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is like the part of like the mythos of oh, this yeah. movie. Well, there's, there's a D plot involving Gary Oldman 30 year long on and off again relationship with also a prostitute with, with a fucking another dwarf woman who like, he used to just like shred puss in high school, I yeah, guess. Like, I guess it's like emphasized that like he used to like really bang her out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, Matthew McConaughey makes she's it extremely like, clear. She's like forcing like a relationship on him, but like also she bangs her fucking roommate and he beats the shit out of Gary Oldman with like fucking like beats the hell. There's a grown man beating the shit out of a dwarf Gary Oldman. Who's like and in then, many of those scenes being played by a child. And she brings him to a fucking party and she bangs David Allen Greer and he's kind of upset it seems maybe like I'm not clear on the purpose of her existence in the movie either. There's just mm-hmm. it's so that everyone has a relationship that's bad. David Allen Greer is playing this like fake famous celebrity in this movie that everybody is obsessed with, although they don't like show anything that he actually does. Yeah, I got the vibe that he's like a Star Trek character or something. I got the vibe that he was like, um, what's Andy Kaufman's character that he would do? Um, the, the night, sh- the, 
uh, late night host that he would like, do, like, who was like super mean, like Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. Yeah. That that was his job. He was like a general entertainer. He had like a pompadour wig on. Right, right, right. But like David Allen Greer is playing this like weird character that everybody thinks is so cool. Like the little people, normal sized people, everyone at like a party scene, which is like one of the most surreal movie scenes <laughs> I've yeah. honestly ever seen in my entire fucking life. Um, and he's like prominent. Everyone's always like. Oh, I wish you were as cool as him. What's his fucking name? <laughs> it's like Blaze Blaze Boy. Hold like on. He's the man. I'm going to find it. <laughs> and it's funny because they gave him a funny name and they say it so many times yeah. in the movie. They'll be like, oh, you wish you were as cool as Jerry Robin Jr. Yeah. Um, And they just keep calling him Jerry Robin Jr. Yeah. And, and like, one... why is he hanging out at dwarf parties? He hangs out at a dwarf party. Every... And like people come to the dwarf party and they're like, Oh my God, is that Jerry Robin? They're like, Oh my God, is that another person my height? And then he's banging dwarfs. He bangs um, Gary Oldman's flame that he's like been obsessed with since he was fifteen. Just bangs her at a party right in front of him. It's very much vibes of um, Boogie Nights when William yeah, H Macy yeah. catches the gangbang at the fucking house party. Um, the house party itself, man. Jesus Christ! Like this movie's just crude for no reason. Like, like the the one guy walks in on like them just having a conversation. She's like, "We were gonna fuck. I was gonna fuck him good." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, no, sir. We were not going to fuck." I'm like, "This movie could have easily been PG-13 without all these deranged fucking side scenes <laughs> where people are just like frivolously handing out blowjobs." So true. Um. It was like, dude, like the guy when I read, it was like, I wanted to make a movie about midgets fucking. And I'm like, well, you did. You did that. Except he was like, they didn't let me do that. I was like, like, what else is this? The only time they show anyone fucking is fucking David Allen Greer as a full size person (laughs) just plowing a dwarf. It's not right either. It's so crazy. What a fucking last grasp at a career. David Allen Greer, that's not like a respected actor. He's like, oh, man, I could be in a movie with Gary Oldman. This is going to really fucking <laughs> put me on the map. Because around 2004, the previous thing, you did, did you ever see his sitcom, Dag? Yeah. Yeah, that's like where he was at. <laughs> and he's like, this is my time. I'm fucking Jerry Robin Jr., baby. This is my time. <laughs> he's basically playing like um, like uh, a shy Baldwin from Marvelous Miss Maisel character. They look identical. <laughs> Anyway. Not just because they're black, because of the pompadour. <laughs> sure. Anyway, he has sex with Gary Oldman's like longtime lover, and yeah, it puts Gary Oldman into a really dark place. But not really, because then like two scenes later, they're holding hands at like a wedding. The whole point is like, <laughs> you're following all of this. I'm like, I didn't get. It. I didn't know where this was going. I didn't know where this. How was going. how could you, Dan? <laughs> Rachel apparently did. 20, okay. 27 minutes into the movie, she bowed out, and then uh, I was talking to her over breakfast the next day. I was like, yo, that movie got fucking crazy. I was like, you absolutely should have watched that with me. It was so wild. And she was like, what did uh, Gary Oldman end up with? Um, Yeah, get that fly. Oh, I had it. It was in my hand. She was like, did Gary Oldman end up with... um, Underworld. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, that is exactly what happened. Um, Gary Oldman ends up with Kate Beckinsale, dude. Yeah, very abruptly. Well, abruptly in the sense that the second their lips touch, the credits roll. Yes, 
that but, was abrupt. But the entire scene is like a 10 second conversation. Oh God. I knew it was coming from, from like at least 10 or so minutes out, 15 minutes yeah. out. And I was like, the second she arrived there, it was, I, I was like, this is going down. Yeah. So, but after, then, but then Matthew McConaughey shows up and I was like, Oh, this movie's going to end like a normal movie. Sure. Where I knew uh, the vibe was getting off was, I think it was their wedding day, and Kate Beckinsale- Because of the yarmulke. Kate Beckinsale, <laughs> that's when the vibe was on. Um, Kate Beckinsale is leaving her own wedding. <laughs> that, that was actually the, the lucky hat She's leaving, that she demanded to wear was the kippah. She's leaving her own wedding, and- She's like about to get into the car with Matthew McConaughey and Rolf, who is Gary Oldman's character, is standing there and they have a a sweet little conversation because she's really been like a good friend to him throughout. And she bends down and kisses him on the lips. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess of all the things that I've seen in this movie so far. Yeah. This is just another weird one. Yeah, she's into it. I was like. You know, she's given him a piece because he deserves it. He's had a tough one. Yeah. Uh, every time but, they interact, she kisses him on the lips. It's very odd. Well, more so towards the end. Yeah. Then after that happened, my brain started firing. I'm like, there's two options. One, that it's weird and she just wants to give him a little taste. <laughs> so, two. Which is so fucked up. Two, that this is going to lead to a point in which she's going to have to hook up with him yeah and that's where it went them's were the options um that's not the option i would have taken no and if i would have taken that option i wouldn't have cast gary oldman i mean that plot line would have worked if peter dinklage was playing gary oldman uh gary oldman looks like an 80 year old man in this movie (laughs) yeah and has the sexual prowess of et yeah uh and kate beckinsale has killed lichens I don't know if you. I don't know if you've seen the series, but oh, uh, I, li- I live. Lichens. I live with a large fan of the series. Oh yeah, shout out Cat for being Underworld fan yeah. with me. Love Underworld. Yeah, we own the Underworld movies, not because of me. They're fired, dude. Except the one about back in the day with the. There's like. It's like Knights of the Round Table with werewolves. It's not favorable. Yeah, the first one, bang. First one's dope. I like the second one too, where the dude has wings. I saw it in the theater, but I don't remember a thing about it. He has wings. Hell yeah, brother. That's the addition. He got his wings on lot, lot, dude. (laughs) What if, if, but wings? He got his wings, dude. (laughs) I saw uh, online this week a big controversy because people were like giving out goose pins at goose shows and like describing it as getting their wings. And like all these dead fam were like, that's fucking disrespectful to our wing culture. Hate that. Yeah. Delete this whole part. <laughs> I got my own wing culture. Buffalo. Chicken wings. <laughs> Baby. Okay, fun fact about this movie. Yeah. Um, in response to Kate Beckinsale requiring her lucky hat on her rider, Matthew McConaughey. Sure demanded his lucky hat and that's the only reason they made his character jewish so that he could wear his special yarmulke that's his lucky hat yeah yeah i got it yeah (laughs) you like that yeah i like that that's nice (laughs) (laughs) um other than that i can really say that this movie um caused me brief psychological damage uh the soundtrack was completely wild um all the ideas presented therein were wildly offensive to me and um it's just a great 
you know, just a great moment in our podcast history, I feel like. Just a nice, beautiful fruition of all the things that you could hate in a movie all just being in the same place for you. So you're welcome uh, if you're listening to this for summing it all up. Um, Dan, do you have any uh, further notes that you want to talk about with this film? Nope. <laughs> um, uh, I've been I've been looking at the list, being like, because I came in here being like, I'm gonna give this movie like a zero, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, what movies can I not, in good faith, say that I would watch before this? Mm-hmm. And I've had to adjust my score, and then like I've been sitting here for the last five minutes, being like. Well, would I watch this again before I watch Cuties? Uh, I'm going to introduce a new scoring option okay. into this podcast. You ready for this? Yeah. Season seven. Okay. From now on. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with that for this film, of course. You I can give this film whatever you want. I don't have to do anything. I'm a grown man. I'm changing the parameters. I've altered the deal of the Golden Gun 1 out of 10 rating system. Okay. Now there is an option called 0 slash 10. <laughs> okay. Zero slash ten is like giving something an Academy Award. It's like giving someone an Academy Award and a Razzie, like step into the teleporter from the fly. Okay. And whatever comes out, that's what you get. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give this movie a coveted zero out of ten. Which, really? Which is a uh, full send recommendation for watching this film, but is a uh, notation that it is toxic, deserves. No money. Please don't pay for this movie. Figure out watch Dan it, said watch Tubi. It, on Tubi. Um, it might even be on YouTube, I would assume, if you look around. Uh, it's a pretty dark place. And um, really, full sudden recommendation on watching this movie is one of the fucking creepiest, most off-putting, upsetting, weirdest movie experiences for me for this podcast. It's like a duets easily for me uh, in terms of just like how unbelievably offensive it became and started as and continued to be. I want to give it a special honor. I'm going to give it the zero uh, slash ten. Well, Dan, as a, as a scholar of Movie Blues scoring, and as we all know, Yes, I would have to change duets and things like that into a zero slash ten. See, but a long student of the zero out of ten score, which I've been studying for moments now, um, when I think of the zero out of ten award, my brain goes to duets. It goes to Little Italy. These were movies that were both truly terrible, but like really, really just like amazing experiences. Uh Whereas this movie was not that because it was also incredibly boring and Hmm. and stupid. I I mean, I was, I thought duets was a boring movie, but I'd rather watch duets 10 times again before I watch this. I guess that's true, but that nothing was fun about duets was fun because it was so insane. Nothing was fun about this. It was all just me being like uneasy. Uh, I think there's a right audience for this movie for sure. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm for I can't give it a zero out of ten because I'm for sure going to watch this movie again. I'm gonna show it to people. There you go. But uh, that's all it is. That's all it is but, meant like, to recognize. It, it's not in the same severe caliber of filmmaking as Little Italy. Uh, I think it's pretty fucking close. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie. I think that if you were to, like were to take out because like. You have to understand at this point, Little Italy has been given like mythic status in this podcast. Well well deserved. There's enough piled onto it at this point that it's become mythic, understandable, well deserved. Little Italy and duets are like Godfather part one and two. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
I'm just saying that you could watch this at the after party of both of those movies and it would make perfect sense. This yeah. is, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, this is like a little too close to something like music to be given right. uh, full send. This is closer but, to music vibes. But there are. This movie is definitely more insidious than music, which I, is crazy. Oh, for sure. What did we give music? I would also say, though, that this movie has enough stuff. <laughs> what did we give it? You gave it a 0. 0.5, and I gave it a 2.9. Wow. But now that Sia is autistic, as we learned from our special episode. Yeah, she's now I have la- to change my score to yeah, a 6. It's a 10, at least. <laughs> it was brave. Now that we know she groomed Maddie Ziegler. Hell yeah, dude. I would. World's biggest Survivor fan. Jesus Christ, Dan. Tiptoes. What's your score? For, I'm for giving that? Tiptoes. <laughs> what is the title of Tiptoes? It's Tiptoes, one word. No, 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 but like, why? Like, you're on your tiptoes to what? To reach fucking Kate Beckinsale's mouth? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fucked up name, <laughs> too. Um, I'm going to give tiptoes a uh, 3.9 out of 10. Interesting. What, where did this score come from? What did you ultimately, like, what was one of your uh, choosing elements? I was like, Okay, so what I got hung up on was that I gave Detective Pikachu a 4 out of 10. I'd for sure rather watch this than Detective Pikachu, but like, you know, Detective Pikachu had Ryan Reynolds as the son of a black man or something at the end of it. Ryan Reynolds. Or no, he had a black son. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds had a black son. Um, And... Which now Dan is saying it's unrealistic for there to be a mixed race kid. <laughs> that was not a mixed race kid. Yeah, I would say he's he's got a little vanilla in there. All right, cut that. Uh, but like, was keeping this, that was this a putting better, that up front? Was this a better movie? No. Like, I'm like, all right, obviously. Was, was Tiptoes a better movie than Detective Pikachu? Yes, this no, was explosive no content, dude. <laughs> was, I, I would show this movie to literally anyone. Was this movie better than Dear Evan Hansen? For sure. All right, oh, so, for sure. So that means immediately it's above a 1.5. Was it better than Crimes of the Future? No. Yes, I had more fun watching this than Crimes of the Future. So did I, but it was still terrible. I don't know, man. And then I'm like, all right, <laughs> It Chapter 2 I gave a 4. Uh, I hated It Chapter 2, but not as much as I hated this. <laughs> uh yeah i just i can't i can't i can't give it the props because you know there are movies there are plenty of movies that i think are terrible pieces of shit that i'll happily throw on at a party to be like isn't this a piece of shit right but like this movie just was kind of upsetting (laughs) it was more than kind of like it wasn't fun at any point for matthew mcconaughey it was terrifying there the messaging was incredibly fucking weird and dark dark and i'm not clear what it was i'm still not clear if it's pro little people or very very anti little people or if it's like pro like uh like aborting potential little people babies it was definitely pro like keeping it very real about how fraud it is to be little yeah but to the then to a degree to a degree where it was like so they might as well not live That is for sure. Sh- yeah, that was for sure the message of the film. Like, you found it. Matthew McConaughey grew up surrounded by them, 
and his wife, who was calling them midgets moments ago, is all on board where he's just like an absentee father within moments. We spend a whole movie where they're making us like Matthew McConaughey and like try to empathize with his plight and his redemption arc is just to abandon his newborn. He does not have any redemption arc. He does. I'll put it this way, like to boil it down to its most simple elements. There's a scene in this movie where he and Kate Beckinsale are in bed and he says to her in no uncertain terms, like, if we have this kid, it is going to be a fucking shit show. It's probably going to ruin our lives. Yeah. And then that happens. Yeah. So like prophetic. What? It, yeah. What's being shipped is like, don't do that. Yeah. So what is this movie? It's pro <laughs> little people. It's anti little people. It's very pro therapy. It, no, it's like pro little people that are alive now, but don't make any more. Right. Right. Uh, pro um, doctor. Pro incredibly pro therapy movie. Like, Which, like, just wild, spoiler alert. Wildly pro-therapy. Spoiler alert, next week's movie, Scream 6, anti-therapy alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got a pro-therapy, anti-white male. Uh-huh. Um, pro, pro-infidelity, pro-prostitution, pro-Marxist. In the background, pro-police. Yeah, it's where... What's how happening could, how here? How could you not zero ten this one? This is zero ten all the way. Yeah, no, three point nine doesn't explain how positively electric it is to watch Matthew McConaughey's descent into. And when I say The Shining, I don't mean uh, Jack Nicholson. I mean like the TV series Shining, where like the guy's eyes literally turn black <laughs> and he has like demon teeth by the end of it. Like when they sh- transition from. Kate Beckinsale's wedding to Matthew McConaughey and he couldn't be any happier to the next scene smash cut. He's like, his eyes are sunken in and he's all greasy and like terrified at the hospital. Yeah. And he punches a hole in the wall. Like that was such an intense. I don't think I've seen such an intense tonal shift like in any movie. No, honestly, I'd I'd like to see the two and a half hour cut. Oh, would die to see that. But for sure. I just like, I can't put it in that category. Which, of course, I was had... screamed at Buttnut, Buttnumathon, yeah. <laughs> which is like adding to just yeah. how perfect this movie is for the podcast and always. It was like it checked all the boxes, but I had zero fun watching it. I well, was just. I did watch it at three in the, the morning. Whole... I finished it at three in the morning. <laughs> I had. I just kind of watched it with like my brow furrowed. Like, what is happening now? You got to get used to the podcast. Whereas, like, duets, I was, like, fucking, like, literally, like, floating, like, crawling down the stairs on my back, like, the (laughs) Like That's what I was like watching this I was like the Tasmanian devil, like, fucking (laughs) shoveling scotch into my mouth, like, having the best time ever. This, I was like, oh, fuck, there's a half hour left. Whereas, like, duets, when I saw there was a half hour left, I was like, God, I might start it over. Like, please, never end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I felt, uh, I disagree. I felt as if when I saw a half an hour was left, I was like, I know for sure where this is headed to. Actually, you know, it's what headed did, somewhere real dark. What did I give Knock Knock? It's not on the list. Oh, yeah, my bad. Um, You gave it, hold on. You gave it a two. So that lines up. Yeah, this was way better than Knock Knock. Yeah, for sure. This was like an all-timer for me in terms of podcast movies. It's would never watch it in my free time as like anything. Did, other how did than this, this made make the, do this movie? I hope not. I hope not. Too. I haven't checked, but no, I don't think they have. Losers, dicks. Yeah, 
Did I do my negative review of their show on the podcast or just in real life? You did. On the podcast. Fair enough. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, bad movie. Made me sick. And uh, everybody should check it out. Fair, and Just mean-spirited. Very mean-spirited. Towards all of its characters. I'm just, like, not clear of what the writer's, like experience with little people and position on little people is uh that they're like turned on by them <laughs> would be my guess from the movie i saw like if like i saw quotes from that guy like talking about how like how the way they edited this movie is like why he his film career got ruined it's like no dude because you wrote this movie <laughs> and like oh you didn't even talk about him getting fired no, I mean, I, I, I did in a way, but not uh, to do with the hat, but that was a huge, <laughs> a huge part of it, was that the guy who fucking made the show Cops, who put all his money into this movie, saw dailies of, like, Kate Beckinsale wearing this fucking stupid hat <laughs> and went to the director and was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're doing over there, but you got Kate Beckinsale and she looks retarded. And they were like, cool. Yeah, we have to do this though. We have to wear the hat. Yeah. And he was like, that's not a thing that happens. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? And he had it explained uh, that the whole deal went down. And this guy was like, I'm fucking baffled. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And that's what really drove a wedge between them and ended up with him getting ultimately kicked off the picture. Um, Dude, th- imagine the timeline where Kate Beckinsale did not insist upon the hat. And he didn't get fired, and this movie was released as a totally different version, and like is more well known, and like all these careers are impacted. And like, dude, the ripple effect that could have had—we could be living with flying cars and shit right now if yeah. he didn't wear that hat. Like that, that one decision to wear that stupid fucking hat, which was dumb do, as do fuck. Do you think she thinks about that? Like, man, that guy's career is ruined because I needed to wear my fucking hip new Abercrombie hat. Maybe she thinks her career is ruined because her career stinks. So I don't know. So true. I'm not sure. She <laughs> file this one under F she for was, fucked she, in movie blues podcast history. She was using the hat to stash all her fucking underworld money. <laughs> and I'm Dan Lyons. Yeah, I'm <laughs> distancing myself from this movie. <laughs> all right, everybody. Should we talk about like a uh, 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 dwarfism impacted baby? Jesus Christ, Dan. <laughs> Now's where you turn off the recording. Oh shit. <laughs>